on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader for the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I just ask the simple question as we come on the air today, Auburn fans, Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about what happened last night on the road at Texas A&M? Do we want to talk about it? I want to see where you go with this because there's a way that I think you might take it that I don't think is the correct way to take it. I don't think I'm going that way. I don't think I am. I really, really don't. But uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about it. We are. We're going to talk about Auburn's loss on the road at Texas A&M last night, 83-78. to Uh, We're going to get into that. It's a busy show guest-wise today. Uh, We will have Jordan Hill of Dogs247. He joins us every Wednesday at 2.30. He will join us coming up in about 30 minutes. We'll talk all things Georgia athletics, uh, basketball, football, whatever else is going on over in in Athens, Georgia. We'll have him on at 2.30. I will be leaving after the first hour again. I know um, it's I'm in and out for the next couple of days with uh, Lee Scott postseason basketball uh, in the home stretch, right? It's in the home stretch. So I will be leaving in the second hour. Carter uh, has been doing a fantastic job. He will take over the reins in hour number two, uh, talking more Auburn basketball, college basketball, and whatever else he can come up with. Plus, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, our usual Tuesday guest. He's coming on today at 3.30. So Carter will have that interview for you right here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line coming up at 3.30 in hour number two. So that'll be a great interview. He's always a lot of fun to talk to, so you guys will have a good time doing that. But again, I will be on the road heading to Montgomery today as the Lee Scott Varsity girls are in the final four. They're taking on Clark Prep, and the winner will go to the state championship game on Friday. And uh, if you want to tune over and and, uh, catch the Lee Scott Varsity girls, that'll be on AU100. That's 100.3 on your radio dial. You can tune in at 5.45 is the tip-off time between Lee Scott and Clark Prep in the final four. Then tomorrow, I'll be heading right back to Montgomery as the Lee Scott Varsity boys, uh, they defeated Monroe last night. They will take on rival Glenwood in the final four for the third time this season. They'll take on Glenwood in the final four tomorrow. That'll be at 4 o'clock again on AU100. That's 100.3 or on AU100FM.com. I'll be in Montgomery there and hopefully both teams win, but if at least one of them does, I'll be in Montgomery again on Friday for the state championship game so it's a busy time Uh, Auburn High they are rocking and rolling right now as well the Auburn High School girls got a win last night versus Opelika Uh, they will now play in their area championship on Friday against Central and the boys are playing Smith Station tomorrow at home and then if they win that, they'll move on to their area title game on Saturday. All of those games are with our good friend Jack Hudden over on our sister station, 96.3 W. Lee. So you can catch those broadcasts coming up over the next couple of days as well. And then, believe it or not, high school baseball season literally starts 
next week. So keep that in mind. We got a lot going on with high school sports here at Auburn Network. But here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line for hour number one, I'll be here with Carter. Hour number two will be Carter uh, by himself here in the studio. But phone lines are open today. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And again, what are your thoughts about what happened last night in College Station, Texas? We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, concerns. Where do you where do you sit right now with this Auburn basketball team coming off this loss at AM? We want to talk about it. We want to hear from you again. 334-321-1390. Carter, I'll let you go first, buddy. What happened in College Station last night? I tell you what, man, I really think that if you watch that game, Auburn was the better team on the court. For for the entire game, if you wanna if you wanna take away the last minute and a half, two minutes, that's fine. But Auburn was the better team. And for the second game in a row, I think there is a legitimate I don't against Tennessee, I thought there was plenty of opportunities for Auburn to win the game anyway. But I think I really believe that Auburn has a legitimate gripe with the officiating for two straight games now. On the road in hostile environments where something just unacceptable happened. And 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 I know that like this is what every every fan um falls back on the the officiating when things don't go right, but the free throw numbers were 39 to 14. That doesn't happen. They hit 31 free throws. Auburn attempted 17 fewer than that. That's crazy. At one point to end the sec- the first half, when you had a 12-point lead, there were 12 foul calls to end the half. Ten of them were on Auburn. In a very physical, both on both sides, both ways game. It wasn't even. It just wasn't. And this... This is crushing. It really is, this loss, because this is something that could have built all sorts of momentum. And instead, you've now dropped four of your last five. And while Saturday, yes, I don't love the officiating. I hate the final call. Should have given Auburn a chance to push it to OT. Frankly, I don't know what more Auburn could have done in this game. For, For what we know this Auburn team to be. They shot 37.5% from three, Mm -hmm. 47% from the floor. I don't know what you want them to do. Well, look, there's there's a lot to say here, and there's a lot more I know you want to say. There's a lot that I want to say as well. Uh, We've got a couple of phone calls waiting on the line, so we will get to those in just a second. We'll start with line number one. We'll get to Spectre. You're on the line. Welcome in. I couldn't agree more. We were, that game, we did everything we could to win that game, and the referees took it right out of our hands. Yeah, and you and you hate to see that. And like Carter said, I think he worded it really well. That's the obviously when a team loses, that's the easy go-to is the officiating was terrible, but last night was bad, and yeah. I think they 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 affected that outcome of that basketball game more than I've seen in a long, long time. With with what we know, this Auburn team is. You really can't ask for much more than what they did as far as no. shooting the basketball and on offense. I guess a really good defensive team to bounce back and score 78. But you gave AM 31 points at the free throw line. It's insane. Well, I'm, 
Well, I'm the first one to criticize Auburn when it's due. But last night, those boys played to win. In my mind, they won the game. The referees took it you. away from them. Now, now, is it too much to say that the referees could have been paid off? We're talking about Texas A&M. I mean, well, we are also <laughs> talking about – I mean, I don't even know how you would really go about that in terms of – because these are national NCAA refs. They kind of just get assigned to, like, regional games. They don't uh, – like, this isn't run through the SEC officiating office. I guess it kind of is, but Look, not man, really. there may or may not have been a duffel bag sitting in the official's oh, car gosh. when he left. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. But, look, the, look, the officiating was – it was really bad, and there should never be – a 39 to 14 free throw attempt differential in a college basketball game that that just that just cannot happen because the game is not played in that big of a differential they shot 27 free throws in the second half and hit 24 of them yep that is your difference in the basketball game well you're you're saying it all for me so you know ain't much more i can say about it but uh you know my pet p is free throws yep and uh, and i tell you what if we I'm not saying this would have been the difference because we didn't get the chance to throw the free throws as, as they did. But when they did throw the free throws, you're talking about 75%. Yeah, they made them. Man. Give them, give them. It was 79.5% yeah. for them. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Give them credit, man. Like Exactly, Spectre. And, and give them credit. They got there a lot, but they also made most of them. That's counting a first half where they would go 7 of 12. Mm-hmm. So from yeah, that point on, they right. go 24 of 27 in the second half. Yeah, my whole point to that was, in our previous game, if we'd been as good as, as they were at free throws, we would have won that game. Yeah. But anyway, all right, guys, have a nice day. Yep, you Appreciate too, Spectre. It. Good to hear from you. And no, he's exactly right. And there is a legitimate concern. If, if Auburn, let's say Auburn got to the free throw line 39 times, this team is not a great free throw shooting team. Would they have made 31 of 39? Probably not. Not saying they couldn't, but I don't think they would have. Well, I think I think I think the free throw numbers in this individual game are a little bit um, against Auburn because I don't know what it was. I don't know if you picked up on this early, but it's almost like Wendell Green early didn't have his legs with him because he yeah. left everything short. He yeah. like he left a three way short, uh, a wide open three where he had all day, barely hit the front rim free throw line. He left three free throws short. And we don't see that, and they were really short. And we don't see that ever. Yeah. He's the best free throw shooter on the team. Let's get to the phone lines real quick. 334-321-1390. Daniel, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to ask two questions, two very simple questions. Um, can you guys think about the last absolute clutch game-winning shot that Wendell took? Yeah, it's uh, it's not uh, it's not the shot you're looking for, right? And we've seen this a couple of times from Wendell, where at the end of the game, when he's got the ball in his hands, everybody on the floor, everybody in the arena, everybody watching on TV knows who is taking that final shot and what that shot's going to be. And Wendell Green is going to take it. He's going to take that shot, whether he thinks he believes he can make it, I think, and whether anybody else has a chance, a better look, better shot, whatever. I mean, Wendell Green Jr. is going to take that shot at the end of the game. And and it's just not it's not what you want. And it's not an effective play. It's not an effective shot. We've seen it time and time again. And yet that's what Auburn goes to at the end of the game. I, I just don't get it, man. I really don't. This dates back to last year. I yeah. mean, the first example yep. that I kind of saw this of just 
fumbling, I mean, literally just stumbling out of a game as the Arkansas game up in, in Fayetteville last year. Daniel, I mean, there's, there's, you, more, there's more than, than that. Jack Hudden and I did some research last night about possessions tied, trailing by five or less or tied, and the amount of times that, that Wendell Green has, in the final minute, and the amount of times that Wendell Green has handled the ball, and there's like one positive outcome in seven tries, and that is the Georgia game where yeah. he gets that layup. And on it, let's let's call a spade a spade here. That should have been a charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just I, is it is it? You guys tell me. Is it a personnel problem? Is it with him where he's you know there was a play drawn up and he says no 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 no. This is about me. I'm about to take this game over. Or I'm about to win this game. Or is it Bruce? Is it Coach Pearl that just says, okay, we're going to give it to Wendell, and that is what it is? I think it's, to an extent, probably a combination of the two. I lean a little bit more towards the first option. Mm-hmm. But if you I mean if you saw Auburn caught a timeout because they were trying to run something, and it got, for about the second time in a row, Wendell, blown up. Wendell almost dribbled off his foot for yeah. a turnover again. Uh, or well, the first time he didn't dribble off his foot, he just got it taken from him by yeah, Radford. Literally just stolen um, from him, like. <laughs> but bullied. But he almost turned it over again. Everybody got in a frenzy. It got chaotic. It got clunky, and the ball got swung all the way around to Zepp. And Zepp was like, "What the heck is going on right now?" And turned around and called timeout because everything was broken. Which is a smart play by a good <laughs> guard. Like that's the smart play. I, don't, but. I, I mean, I'm not sure that they executed whatever the plan was coming out of the timeout. But we, we've seen that in late game situations all the time, all the time. Right, right. Hey, I think a good positive from the game though was uh, Cardwell's uh, play. I mean, yeah. it was just his rebounding, his hustle. I mean, he kind of had a little bit of his swagger back, even at an away game. It was it was cool to see. Yeah, he made the uh, Sports Center top ten. He was like the fifth top ten or something with the alley oop. Yeah, with the alley oop. We appreciate the call, Daniel. Let's uh, you know what? Let's get to our first break. We've got Ed on the phone lines. Want to give him a chance to say uh, what he has to say. When we come back, we'll get to the phone lines. Ed, hang on, you'll be first up. When we come back, we'd love to hear from you. We've had great calls already. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back. Are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get back to the phone lines as we are off to a hot start here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. A beautiful day out there. Yes, it is. Yeah, I was just going to comment uh real quickly about all the basketball uh-huh. uh you know now we we saw like in the transfer portal this year we mm-hmm. saw alabama lose several five-star players and every i think auburn just uh the three the three touted freshmen they they had coming in this year mm-hmm. it, they just didn't pan out a little bit you know and, and then uh, and there might be an attitude problem with one of them. I, I'm not saying that. I'm, but but when, whatever happened earlier in the year when uh, Wendell Green got suspended for a year, and you got to think, I, it happens all the time, but you got to think, 
you know, a fight in practice or in the locker room, you know, just, you know, after a game when, when, when you're not, he's saying the guys aren't trying, they're not playing, they're not practicing, uh, you know, and I'm, I, hey, I'm taking up for, for not Wendell, it was KD. Uh, KD, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge anybody. Uh, all I'm saying is I think that, you know, it's just a rough year for Auburn. I, I, I do not. And, and uh, it, some people jumping on Wendell about uh, about shooting, but uh, but I hear Bruce Pearl almost begging his other players, somebody shoot the ball. You know, they, they we've talked about this. You know, sometimes another pass just turns into a turnover. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think everything's all right. I think it, it, it ain't going to get. It, it's not going to get very much better this year. I don't. I don't think. Uh, and, yep. and I think I think next year will be all right. But you know, I mean, Alabama had probably in football the best talent in the. Nation next to Georgia last year, and they didn't even get make it to the playoffs. I mean, on on paper, Ed Alabama did have the most talent in the country when you look at it that way. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew they were right up there. And, and so what I'm saying is, sometimes, and, and you know, sometimes the talent doesn't play out. I, I think, I think Auburn's fine. I think Bruce is, you know, doing the best he can. Uh, you know. I, uh, did y'all hear about him having a problem with a fan? Yeah, I, I saw that. I've seen the videos and people making – I don't think most of the claims are true. I do think there, there was a spat of him when he was walking off the floor. There was some communication yeah. between him and some Arkansas fans. I have heard yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Or A&M, that's what I meant, excuse me. Um, I, I've seen some things. I've read some things. I've heard some things. But um, I think there's probably not as there much there. false assertions yeah. that it was with a, with a student mm-hmm. when it was not the student section. It clearly wasn't a student if you watched the video yeah um possible anti-semitic stuff that may yeah, have, may well, not have been that's said what, that's what i what i uh, had seen and heard from people that i would generally i guess would say would sure. not lob those accusations mm-hmm. if there wasn't some some true truth to it yeah yeah somebody I, they thought they could get away with that you know probably it probably the only reason they did that was because of the trip we took to if he took the team to israel this past year they probably wouldn't even known that you know it was a jewish you know religion mm. yeah well, well credit to bruce, bruce he is, is a bruce very, is very open yes. jewish uh like yeah. he, he talks about oh, it all yeah. the time he's very open about oh, it. yeah 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 i'm, I'm just talking about yeah. whoever's dumb enough to try to start doing that in right the game. right you, you know it's, it's like and it's, it, I mean, let's be honest. It's almost like throwing the N word at, at a at a black man or coach. I mean, it's 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 not it's not. There, there are slurs, you know, that you just it's not right. Well, there's just know? no there's no excuse for it. No, I agree. There's no room no. for it. There's I mean, and look, and fans get worked up when they win, and you get caught up in the excitement. I get it, but there's no room to to tear somebody down for for what they believe or who they are in a situation like that. No, there's just it's unacceptable. Yeah, and one more thing I was just going to say, and I think when it was talking about the officials and the officiating, overall, you know, something's got to be done, and I think it will be. You know, that there'll be some changes done. 
But I'll be honest with you. Does anybody, anybody think Wendell, Wendell Green would have made three, three throws? Uh, really? Oh, and, and the, you're talking you're talking over the weekend at Tennessee? Tennessee. Does anybody think, uh, what would make anybody think that Wendell Green could make three, three throws yeah, in a row? I, I think he would have gone two or three at the line, and I think Auburn still would have lost. <laughs> Well, yeah, if he went two or three, it would have been a loss. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, it, it was a bad – he should have got the call, you know. But, I mean, I, I, and I like him. I, I'm not saying anything bad about him. But, uh, I mean, just you look at the stats, you look at the history, you look mm-hmm. at everything, and it's hard to imagine him, you know, making three free throws in, in a row. But, uh, you know, maybe he would have. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the year. But, Oregon guys, uh, it should be a great game this weekend. Uh, the, mm-hmm. I, I, get a, I get a kick out of the, the guy that comes on before y'all, and I'm not going to name a name. But he, he is such – he 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 hates to think about losing. So he, he is so convinced that Auburn should be such a big favorite in this game. And I, you know, I mean, really, I mean, Alabama should win this game. Well, I think I think Alabama will be favored. It should be a good one, Ed. There's no doubt. Uh, yeah, and, and Warrior got hey, hey, uh, and hey, yeah. the whole state, the whole state. This is great for basketball. Oh, yeah. no doubt. That that's well, a fantastic point. And everything down. Yeah, it, it's great for the whole state. One hundred percent basketball. All right, guys. Yep, you too, Ed. It's good to hear from you. We've had some great calls to start uh, this Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'd love to hear from you as well. we got a couple of minutes before uh, we take a break and get to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Yeah, some good points from from Ed and all of our callers, really. And I want to kind of say a couple of things. What you got? I just, I'm looking at something according to, I just wanted to ask if you thought that this is correct. ESPN's BPI, the Basketball Power Index, mm-hmm. projecting Auburn's coming up games. 37.5% chance to beat Alabama on Saturday. Okay. Tennessee at home at the end of the year, 28.9. That does not that feel doesn't, correct. No, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel <laughs> right. That doesn't feel correct at all. I, I like I, the, the 37%. That's, that's, that sounds about right. For, for yeah, Saturday. That sounds about right. But no, 29% against Tennessee home in a game that Auburn should have won by double digits in Thompson Bowling Arena? No, I don't think so. But looking at last night's game, and again, uh, we're, we've got a couple of minutes before we take our bottom of the hour break. We'll have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, and then at the end of the hour, I'll give my thoughts again because I will be leaving uh, for Lee Scott Academy Basketball. Carter will be here in hour number two, but just looking at this game last night, I mean, this was, Carter, you talked about thinking about the direction I was going to take this. Auburn played, they played a good game last night, man. They did. They played a good game. Were there times where the the conversation that we've had about mental toughness and that sort of thing, did that come up last night? Sure, a couple of times. But Auburn was still in this basketball game. And when you put up, if when this Auburn team, this specific Auburn team, puts up 78 points on the road in the SEC, they should expect to win. They should expect to win because, like I've said, this Auburn team wants to play in the 60s. They are not built to play a game in the 80s, in the high 70s. They're not built to do that. And sure, they gave up, quote, quote, 83 points, but 31 of those were from the free throw line. 37% of A&M's points were at the charity stripe last night. If you take half of that, Auburn wins. If you take 
less than half of that, Auburn still wins. So, like, your defense outside of the free throw line, you only gave up 50-plus points. Auburn wins that game. In the second half, A&M shot two more free throws than they had attempts from the field. That should give you an idea of how that game went. It, it was just so... It was so weird to watch this game, and it was a horrible game to watch, right? A terrible game to watch because you could not go more than two minutes of game time without the whistle being blown. That is how, that is when the officials put themselves into the game. They asserted themselves into the result of the game last night. It was around the same point in both halves. Like Auburn starts cruising, Auburn builds a lead, and then somewhere around that 12, 10 minute mark. I mean, in the second half, it was a little bit earlier, like the 13, 14 minute mark. Mm -hmm. You saw foul, 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 and all of a sudden it got lopsided in both halves. Yeah, it was bad. And Auburn, Auburn played well enough to win last night, and this was a game that I think was stolen from them. I really do. And it's tough because it's a game that they needed on the resume. We got to get to a break. We'll have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. We're getting to the phone lines for our Wednesday guest. It is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Jordan, first of all, how was your trip back to Auburn last week, man? Oh, it was great. I wound up avoiding any rain. You know, it was kind of a, uh, a kind of overcast few days while I was there, but uh, it was a good time. Got a chance to catch up with a lot of the beat, and, and glad I was back in Lee County for a bit. Did you miss Auburn, though? Uh, have you decided to move back to the Plains and get out of that town of Athens, Georgia? Not anytime soon, but it's always it's always nice to go back, and I certainly enjoyed uh, the time I spent there. There's no doubt about that. Well, I'm just I'm just messing with you. We'll let you stay over in Athens. You do a fantastic job with Dogs Two Four Seven, and that's why we bring you on talking about Georgia athletics. And you look at Georgia basketball since the last time we talked to you. Obviously, the result in Auburn was not what Georgia was looking for. What have you seen over the past couple of games from this Georgia team? You know, it's been a really rough go of it. I mean, they lose to Auburn in pretty uh, pretty rough fashion, then they go to Texas A&M the following Saturday and lose that one and had to go without Terry Roberts, who is their best player and leading scorer. Uh, he winds up not being able to play last night against Ole Miss, and Georgia played really well in his absence. Braylon Bridges had a career-high 26 points, Cario Quindo. Uh, contributed as well. I think he ended up with 19, but they come up short. Just couldn't get stops down the stretch against an Ole Miss team that was in really bad shape. That had before last night had only won once since uh, we turned the calendar to 2023. So Georgia's lost six of seven. It's not going to get any easier. They play Kentucky at home on Saturday. Play LSU on Valentine's Day. Then they got back-to-back road trips to Alabama and Arkansas. So. Uh, not the way this is shaping up uh, that Mike White and company wanted. I think it's going to be a pretty rough close to the regular season given what's uh, coming down the pipe. Given that this Georgia team has lost six of seven, what do they have to do to kind of get right here in this rather difficult stretch of uh, four games that they have coming up? 
Well, I think the biggest thing is just playing more sound defense, and, and that was the calling card when Mike White was hired, and it's something he stressed throughout. And the defense has just kind of faded. I mean, it seems like since the second half of the Kentucky game when they played in Rupp Arena that the defense has just been lacking. And, and again, like they, they've made plays against Ole Miss, an Ole Miss team that, I mean, it really looks like Kermit Davis won't be back after this season. It's a team that's really, really struggled. They just could not get stopped. And, I mean, it just boils down to basic fundamentals, you know, getting back after a basket on offense and, and being able to box out guys. And the turning point really in that game was late in the game. Matthew Morrell for Ole Miss is shooting free throws. He misses the second one. And, you know, Georgia just can't box out a guy, and, and they get the offensive rebound, and it kind of sets the stage for Ole Miss to finish that one off. So it's just kind of basics with this team. Again, you know, I, I liked what they did in the portal, but it was still pretty clear that they had glaring holes uh, with their bigs. I mean, not a true uh, power, you know, guy at the five. And it's come back to haunt them, and it's come back to bite them. And, again, you know, I need to say that Braylon Bridges played really well last night. I mean, he's their five, and he's a the guy they've needed to step up. He did last night, but there just wasn't enough scoring around him and didn't get the stops they needed late to finish the drill. Jordan, in this stretch where, as we've been mentioning, Georgia has really struggled in these last few games, were some of these results that going into the matchup, Georgia as a team and maybe even the Georgia fan base felt confident in and then obviously being disappointed now that they have lost six of seven? There's been a few of those. I mean, I'm not sure anyone thought that they would sweep Auburn, and I don't think people felt good about them going to Texas A&M, but there's been games where they should have won, and I thought Ole Miss last night was one of them. And, you know, I feel like it really kind of started getting sideways. After the Kentucky game, you know, you play a really good first half. You lead by eight at halftime and can't finish the drill in the second half. You come back and play Vanderbilt, who at the time I think might have been a game under 500 overall. And you give up 85 points, which they shot the lights out, and it seemed like there was nothing Georgia could do to stop them. And it seems like from there they've just been in, uh, you know, in a really searching mode and, and trying to figure something out. I mean, their only win since then was at home against South Carolina, who at the time was last in the SEC, and Georgia had to have overtime to get it. So I mean, I, I think it's a team that you know it, it's kind of. They're sort of the victim of their own early success. You know, they started SEC play well. I think they were 3-1 and one to start conference play, with one of those being the win against Auburn and what was Georgia's first SEC game of the season. And I think people kind of got a little overly excited. They said, okay, this team, look at how they've started. They've beaten some pretty good teams, beat Mississippi State in a rock fight in Athens. It was ugly offensively. Um, but I think that, you know, we're seeing as the season has played out, uh, that this team is about where we thought it would be. It's not a team that is going to contend for what I even think at this point would be the NIT, although I don't think those hopes are dead. Uh, this is a team that is starting over after a 6-22 and season last year in Tom Crean's last season, and uh, we're starting to see the results kind of back toward what a lot of us anticipated going into Mike White's first season. So over these final seven games, what would be – a good finish record-wise for this Georgia team? Uh, last seven games, I mean, I think that they can beat LSU. I think that they can beat uh, South Carolina. So I would say if you can win three of the seven, you know, just sneak a win against, say, Florida at home. After They, they did play Florida pretty tight in Gainesville uh, back uh, in January. 
Um, I think if you can go three and four, that's a success. I think more than likely you're going two and five. Uh, and again, those two aren't guaranteed because I thought they would be getting good shape to beat Ole Miss. And uh, again, it, it is sort of complicated not having Terry Roberts, who had a concussion against Auburn. Uh, after the game, Mike White said that he was uh, getting better, but still kind of watching to see what steps he takes going forward. Uh, so I, I think if you win three games, you should consider that a, a small victory in what is a pretty rough and, and pretty challenging end of the regular season. With Terry Roberts missing the game last night, what is his status going into this Kentucky game and for this home stretch for uh, Georgia? I think we'll get a better feel for his availability on Friday. We'll have a chance to talk to Mike White. But like I said, after the game, Mike was asked about it and said that he was making progress. And he had been out there during pregame, but you could tell uh, he was wearing uh, uh, sweatpants, uh, not like his game shorts. And he took a few threes while he was standing out there, but he wasn't going through uh, full go. So, you know, uh, I I will uh, have to kind of get a feel on Friday. I think, you know, they desperately need him to be able to play. But with something like a concussion, it's just something you can't mess with, especially, again, you know, Georgia won't be competitive, but uh, there's really nothing to play for at this point other than pride. Uh, you want a guy like that on the floor, but we'll get a better feel in the next couple of days to see if he's made the progress that they think he needs to to be back on the floor on Saturday. Speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, he joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line. Switching gears now to football a little bit. We see Georgia uh, football players, 12 of them to be uh, exact, were invited to the 2023 NFL Combine. Uh, some of the names that stick out, obviously Stetson Bennett, Kenny McIntosh, uh, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo. What does it mean for Georgia and, and those 12 guys to be invited to the 2023 NFL Combine? I think it's huge, and I think it's going to be a very interesting proving ground for a number of those guys. I mean, you know, as far as Georgia players are going into the draft, there was only one offensive lineman, Warren Erickson, who was not invited to the combine. And, you know, I think there's so many storylines you can follow out of this. Stetson, how does he perform? Darnell Washington, I think, has a chance to be a first-round talent. He's kind of setting the stage. If he performs well in Indianapolis, I think that could open the door for him to be a surefire first-round pick. But also Nolan Smith coming off a torn pec muscle. How does he uh, work out? How does he look? Keely Ringo, there's been different people who have pointed to him as a potential first-round pick. Uh, he'll have a chance to prove himself. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. They had 14 guys invited last year and, and wound up having 15 guys drafted. Uh, I don't think when it comes to the draft we'll see quite as many picked. Uh, but you just see the talent that's continuing to come out of Athens. I expect those guys uh, to show out and, and put on a show and uh, for quite a number of them to hear their names called once we get to April. After five guys got taken in the first round last year from Georgia, how many are you uh, expecting to go in the first round this year potentially? I think it'll probably be two or three. Um, I think uh, you know Jalen Carter's got a really good chance, probably actually three or four. Uh, I think Jalen Carter's got a really good chance to be the number one overall pick. It just kind of depends on if the Chicago Bears or if they wind up trading out of that pick, uh, whoever has that first pick, if they really want a quarterback. Um, and then you kind of go into the conversation, well, if they're picking a defender, is it Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, which I think is a really strong argument either way. But you also got Broderick Jones. I think he'll be one of the top offensive tackles taken. I think I've seen a projection of him maybe 11 to the Tennessee Titans. So probably 10 to 20 range. 
uh, for him. Darnell Washington, I think, would probably be in the 20 to 32 range. I think someone uh, is going to really like what he brings to the table, six foot seven, maybe six foot eight, uh, and can catch the ball the way he can at tight end. I think someone is going to like that, especially if, uh, you know, let's say Todd Munkin does wind up taking an NFL job. I wouldn't blame uh, him and that staff for deciding, hey, we're going to go get this guy because we know what he can do. Uh, and then the other question marks are, are probably Keely Ringo, uh, maybe Nolan Smith if he gets in there. But I think there will probably be around three Georgia players taken by the time the first round is said and done. And Jordan, you brought up a, an interesting point about Stetson Bennett and how he will perform. I mean, all eyes are, are going to be on this guy, given uh, obviously being a, a back-to-back national champion. He had the hype coming in, the question marks around his NFL potential, and then the, the news coming just a couple of weeks ago with his incident in Texas. I mean, all eyes are going to be on Stetson Bennett in this NFL combine, right? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because he's not going to be one of those premier quarterbacks there because obviously that's Bryce Young, that's Will Levis, uh, that's C.J. Stroud, but I do think there will be attention paid to Stetson. So it's going to be fascinating just to see how that kind of works, what he's able to do and what he's able to show because we were talking about this on our podcast earlier today. You know, I'm convinced he's going to be drafted, but this is another test. You know, the people are going to knock him for the size. He's not the first quarterback to – to take that, and he most certainly won't be the last. Uh, but he'll uh, he'll have some people that want to see him really show out, and uh, it's going to be something to watch. I think that you know when it's all said and done, I think he does get drafted probably in the third round, the fifth round range is sort of what I'm expecting. You know, probably the one of those third day picks. Um, but again, he's got a chance to go in there and and show what he's able to do and. And when it comes to any of these guys, all it takes is one franchise and one GM or one coach to fall in love with a guy, and uh, that's enough to get them off the board. In the 2024 recruiting class right now, Georgia sits atop the country at number one uh, with a pretty hefty, I guess, uh, some some decent breathing room between themselves and uh, Notre Dame. But uh, when you look at this class with a couple five-stars already committed, what should we expect out of Georgia in the 24 class? And uh, do we see them make a run at Alabama's greatest class of all time from last cycle? It's something to watch for sure, and they're off to a good start. I think the key to that is, is what they do at a position like quarterback. They've already got Ryan Puglisi, a uh, really talented guy out of Connecticut. But they're chasing Dylan Riola, who's the number one quarterback, who had been committed to Ohio State, and he decommits. Uh, Todd Munkin has been all over him, and, and that's kind of another interesting piece if Todd Munkin ultimately takes an NFL job, uh, what the sort of ramifications are when it comes to Dylan Riola. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's a really good chance this is going to be a stellar class and, and, again, is number one and is sitting pretty there right now. Uh, two five-star guys in Ellis Robinson the fourth and a tight end, Landon Thomas, uh, continuing to stack tight end like uh, you're playing NCAA or even playing Madden. <laughs> It's kind of absurd, but yeah, I mean, I think this class has got the makings of a special one. There are some needs that they have, say, at defensive end. Uh, quarterback, like I mentioned, because right now they only have three scholarship QBs, uh, but I think when it's all said and done, you're going to see, again, what we've seen year after year for this to be, at the very least, a top three class, and, and again, they are in very good position for this to be the top overall class when it's all said and done. 
Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line. Man, we appreciate you and your time every single week. You always have fantastic things to say. Let everybody know where they can keep up with all of your work, how they can subscribe, and what you guys have coming up over at Dogs 247. Absolutely. Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill and also at Dogs247. And yeah, you know, still rolling out stories from uh, way back during the playoff and had a chance to talk to some freshmen over that time. So uh, writing stories about some of the freshmen who have really shined and, and have bright futures at Georgia. Also continuing to cover men's basketball. And hey, guys, the countdown is on. Y'all's countdown is a little bit shorter, but uh, when it comes to spring practices start, I know Auburn's got a pretty early start, but Georgia's only a few weeks behind them. And by the time we turn around, it's going to be – Uh, watching the spring ball and getting ready for another spring scrimmage. Oh, yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it. I know you are as well, man. Again, uh, we're just very thankful for you and your time every single week. We will talk to you uh, next Wednesday. Sounds great, guys. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, he joins us every Wednesday, 2.30, right here on On the Line, talking all things Georgia athletics uh, as the basketball program uh, has the basketball team, if you should say, uh, slowed down a little bit over the last seven games, just one of seven. But we'll get to our final break, come back. I'm here for the next couple of minutes. I'll give my final thoughts on Auburn and Texas A&M. Carter will take you in to our number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the first hour of the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. A big thank you to again Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every Wednesday here on the show talking all things Georgia athletics. He uh, does fantastic work over at Dogs 247. So if you're looking for some more content, go and subscribe over there. He does a fantastic job. But as I mentioned, I am out of here after this segment. Carter will have you for the second hour of the show. He'll talk some more Auburn basketball, uh, maybe look around the country as well. And then at 3.30, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, will join the show. Uh, And Carter and him will have some conversations about what's going on around the Southeastern Conference. So looking forward to that. I will be on the road to Montgomery, so I'll be listening in and uh, uh, just enjoying it, right? Because you guys guys will have a great conversation coming up at 3.30. So I will be on the road heading to Montgomery to call Lee Scott Final Four Basketball. Lee Scott girls play tonight uh, against Clark Prep. That is at 5.45 on AU100, AU100 AU100FM.com, and the AU100 app. That's 100.3 on your radio dial. And tomorrow, I am out. I will be in Montgomery again calling Lee Scott Varsity Boys, taking on Glenwood. Uh, They will play at 4 o'clock again on AU100. AU 100. But here in the last couple of minutes, I want to wrap up my conversation about Auburn and Texas A&M from last night. Look, bottom line is, folks, Auburn played good enough to win. They scored 78 points. This team doesn't do that. When they score 78, they should win every game they play because they want to play in the 60s. That's where they live. That's where their skill set is. That's where their home is, is in the 60s. And the fact that A&M, and again, The fact that they shot 39 free throws is ridiculous. It's unacceptable, and it was not not at the fault of Auburn. Did they foul? Sure. Did they foul a lot? Yes. Did they foul that much? Absolutely not. And I don't want that to be the narrative of this basketball game, but I do think it is. I think that's where you can look at and say Auburn – 
won this basketball game. They made 30 of 64 of their field goals. They shot 47%. That's a miracle for this Auburn team. A&M only made 23 field goals, right? You look at three-point percentage. Auburn was 9 of 24. They made nine three-pointers last night. That doesn't happen with this Auburn team. They shot from the three-point line. They shot 37.5%. That's pretty good for a team, especially this Auburn team. You look at rebounds. Auburn didn't win the rebounding battle, but they didn't get killed, right? So nothing crazy there. Turnovers, Auburn had 10, which on the road in the SEC, you'll take that. You'd like it to be single digits, but A&M turned it over 12 times. But you got 27 fouls called against you versus 17 on A&M. There's just no way. There's no way that that happens legitimately. And unfortunately, Auburn played well enough to win, and sometimes you just don't win, right? Sometimes the better team doesn't win, but sometimes the officials put themselves into the game and control the outcome, and that's what happened in College Station, Texas last night. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this game, just another stat to look at, with 11 minutes left in the game, both teams were in the bonus. Auburn took five free throws. The rest of the game, Texas A&M took 19. Yep. Took 19. So that's that's how this game went. And when you look at this game, there was calls that were made that killed Auburn's momentum time and time again. Allen Flanagan hits a three in the first half. The A&M bench is talking trash nonstop at him. And look, yes, he, I guess, made a very slight kissing motion in the general direction of the A&M bench. Oh, he did. That's okay. He did. But it was it's a soft tech. It's a soft tech. It is a soft tech. I'll give you that. It's a soft tech. It really really is. There's so much worse stuff that takes place than that. Yes. And that's the and problem. And gets away with it. And so when you call that tech, well one, I I think I saw Mike G of the War Report on Twitter make a really good point when he said if you're going to call that tech, then you can't let the the bench talk that much trash. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to be even both ways. If they're going to talk trash, you got to let the if if you're going to let them talk trash, you got to let the player on the court talk a little bit of trash back. Right, and I think that's and that's the biggest problem that Auburn fans have on this Wednesday is the inconsistency last night of the officiating. But after that tech was called. Auburn had a 10-point lead. A&M goes on a 15-2 run. So that was a direct pivot point in the first half from a momentum perspective Mm -hmm. that allowed A&M to climb back in the game. And five of the first seven points that they scored of those 15 were at the free throw line. Shocker. So, like, this game was Auburn played well enough to win. And I want to give him credit in the second half. Wendell Green was going shot for shot with Wade Taylor, and they were making crazy shots, and it was beautiful. Yeah, it was. It but, was. And he could have he played his butt off, and I want to give him credit for that. But Wendell Green, he's not a good late game player. That final shot can happen, and it's happened time and time again, and it has not worked. It does not work. Auburn has got to find a different go-to guy in late game situations. And unfortunately, this was not just a loss in the win-loss column. This was not just an L on the schedule. This was a shot through the heart for Auburn. This was a chance for them to build some momentum for the Alabama game this weekend, and I hope they find a way to rebound because, boy, they're going to need it on Saturday. I'm out of here. Carter's got you in hour number two. Tune in. Lee Scott basketball tonight, AU100. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.
Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. Welcome back to... Hour number two of the Wednesday edition of On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio, uh, Carter Bird. Uh, Jacob Goins is on the road. He is packing up the car and headed over uh, to Montgomery to call Lee Scott girls basketball as they take on Clark Prep uh, tonight in the, I believe we are in the Final Four at this point, which uh, good for them to get this far into the postseason. The boys, I think, play tomorrow uh, against Glenwood, and he will be doing that game from Montgomery as well. Um, but yeah, before he left, we were talking about, we got back on the topic of this Auburn A&M basketball game. And when you look at this game, the issue in the first game was you let Tyrese Radford go crazy. He dropped 30 on you. Uh, you weren't physical enough. And in this one, when you look at it, he only scores 10 points. He's 3 of 6 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. Um, was not the game that you saw out of him the first time out, so Auburn did a good job of that. Um, Wade Taylor, though, he went off. He had 22 points. It was not an efficient 22 points. 5 of 16 from the field, 4 of 10 from 3. But he got hot in that second half, and he was going shot for shot for a little bit there. It felt, uh, well, he was getting to the free throw line as well. He was scoring with... Wendell Green, every time it felt like uh, for for A&M. Julian Marble had a big game for that A&M team. He finished with 20 points and 7 boards. Um, but I won't say that he just won his matchup with Jani Broom because Jani Broom had 18 points, 8 of 11 from the field, 2 of 2 at the free throw line, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks. I thought that he played a very good game. Uh, I thought it was dictated a little bit by refs. He ended up fouling out. He missed the last couple minutes. Um, Wendell Green dropped 20 on 8 of 18 shooting, 1 of 5 from the field. It was weird to watch him struggle at the free throw line. Um, I thought that was odd, especially when you look at the fact that he's been an 82, 83% free throw shooter uh, over the course of the season. It dropped a little bit last night. He was 84% last year. You expect him to step up in those spots and hit his free throws. He struggled with it a little, a little bit. He protected the basketball pretty well. Just a couple turnovers. He had six assists. He had four rebounds. He had three fouls, including that double tech that was called that I thought was soft, to say the least. Um, when he got into it with Solomon Washington, he and KD both did. Um and they end up calling a foul, I think, on Wendell, and they teed up both players. Um, I don't know. I, I just didn't think that this game was – I thought Auburn played well. You get 12 points out of Allen Flanagan, 4 of 8 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, 3 of 3 at the line. He grabs you six boards. He has two fouls, one of, the, one of those being a tech as well. He only has two turnovers, um, which we've seen some games where he's had as many as seven. Uh, Jalen Williams, 4 of 8 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. He got back on track shooting the basketball after going 1 of 10 on Saturday in a game that was very uh, 
uncharacteristic. I thought he responded very well last night, uh, and he got back in his three-point shot. He goes one of two at the line, four rebounds, four assists, just a single turnover. But you get great production out of those four guys, 20, 18, 12, and 12. And everybody else, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Zeb Jasper, two of six, two of five from three. He shot from three, and he actually was had a good percentage at 40%. And um, he did have a little bit of a heat check three, um, a little bit after making two of them. But I'm fine with his six points, especially when he's giving you nothing the previous several games. But when you look at the bench, the bench did not give you enough in this game. Katie Johnson, two of five, uh, five points. It's not awful, but he's your leading scorer on the bench. And he doesn't give you groundbreaking rebounds or assists or anything like that with just three and two in his 18 minutes on the court. Trey Donaldson, 0 of three. He had one assist, one turnover. His, I mean, his stat line is almost non-existent. He's not a very good three-point shooter at this point in his career. Uh, Chris Moore did not shoot a shot. He only grabbed one one rebound in his eight minutes. Yoan Treor, two minutes, didn't record any stats other than two fouls, ironically. Lior Berman was not efficient tonight. He was one of four, one of three from three uh, as he had three points. And Dylan Cardwell, one of one with two points, and he missed his only free throw. He gave you three re- rebounds and, and one assist in his nine minutes of play. Um coming off that game that he missed on Saturday. I thought he was your most effective bench player when you take into account the minutes and the and the production that he gave you and the efficiency. But you got to get more than 10 points out of your bench in an SEC game, especially in an SEC game on the road. That's not going to get it done. That's not good enough when you look at it. It's just you're not getting enough production there. You're having to rely so heavily on Wendell Green, on Jalen Williams, on Janai Broom, on Alan Flanagan. And when those guys have bad nights, like we saw on Saturday against Tennessee, where the best night of the four of those guys, the best night on the team, was Janai Broom going 5 of 13, which is not exactly efficient. You can't afford for that when your bench is giving you nothing. And I think that is the biggest weakness for this team. I think when you look at I don't think Bruce Pearl expected to get nothing offensively out of his freshman class between Yoan Treor, between Chance Westry, who appears to be redshirting, that appears to be the word right now, and Trey Donaldson. Trey Donaldson has great court vision, and he can show that in spurts, but it's a little up and down. It's a little inconsistent, and that's something that I've noticed over the course of his career so far, and I know it's a short career to this point. But he's he has these great games where he looks awesome. And I will say, something I loved in that game last night, in the first half, we saw a lineup that we had not seen yet this year. We saw Trey Donaldson running the point. We saw Wendell Green running the two. And we saw everybody else fill in their, their roles after that. And I thought having those two guys bring the basketball up together, having two guys who could handle the basketball, it was one of Auburn's best runs we've seen this year. It was beautiful. The ability to have one guy with the ball who has that vision, who can make those passes, and then pass it to another guy who can do the same thing. You saw the beautiful assist by Wendell Green baseline, wrapping it around a defender, throwing it to the corner, 
to a wide open Lior Berman, and he made his only his only make of the game from three, and it was a beautiful look. And I thought that group, when they were out there running together, they were great. But you really didn't see much of that in the second half after it worked so well in the first half. I was a little surprised by that. I know it may have been trying to keep everybody's legs fresh, but I would have loved to have seen that unit a little bit more together. But all in all, I mean, these past two games, really these past three games are so wildly confounding because you score 90 plus you score what 94 against Georgia and you post one of the best offensive efficiency ratings since Bruce Pearl has been at Auburn it has not really been that close and so you do that and then you follow it up on Saturday and you look like you get rattled You look like you get out of your flow. And I think this Auburn team struggles when they get out of their flow. It gets chaotic. It gets clunky. They struggle to get back into their flow. You saw them do it a little bit where, I mean, honestly, you can make the the argument they didn't even do it last night. You saw Wendell Green just doing crazy things with the basketball and making difficult shots in the last 10 minutes of the game. And it was really, it was impressive. It was one of the most impressive stretches of Wendell Green just being creative with the basketball and shot making. And it was great. It really, really was. Especially, I mean, he was 2 of 7 in the first half. Second half, he goes 6 of 11, and it was efficient. He's still not shooting the 3 particularly well, as he went 1 of 5 last night. I think that brings him to 5 of 35 from 3 in losses this year. It's not very good, to be honest with you. It's not good enough. And and the one thing that I I appreciate his effort last night. I really do. But he's not a good final minute player. He's not a good player in the last minute, down five or less or tied. Jack Hudden and I last night looked it up over his two seasons at Auburn. He had one good possession. One good possession in these two years. Down five or less. Or tied in the last minute. And that is Georgia. Where he got in the paint. Probably should have been a charge. And he got a layup. And he won the game. He's hit some free throws with the lead to extend the lead. Against Florida earlier this year. (laughs) He hits a layup as time expires with a one point lead to extend it to three. But the other games, when you look at it, Arkansas last year, this is all in the last minute. He had a turnover with a two-point lead. He he comes back down. He does hit a layup. He hits a shot in the paint to give Auburn that two-point lead back. Then you have that really, really awful final possession where he just dribbles the ball out on the Razorback logo near midcourt. Somebody comes and sets a screen. He waves him off. And he rips from the same point he'd been standing at for the previous 20 seconds. And actually, if you go look at that, according to the game log, he shoots that shot with six seconds left. So realistically, it wasn't even a final shot. Like Arkansas could have gotten a rebound and got something going the other way and gotten at least a heave at the rim to win the game. 
It just it's not a good position. Then he misses a three in the final minute of overtime, trying to climb back in it. Florida last year, his final possession of the game was not good. It was not um, his final possession in both halves were really bad, actually. Tennessee last year missed a three in the final minute. West Virginia this year, he misses a three in the final minute trying to tie the game, doesn't get there. Tennessee this year, he misses the final three on Saturday that in that fits that criteria of trailing by five or less or tied in under a minute. He takes a bad shot, and he misses it. It's a super deep three. Well, it's a bad shot. He should have been fouled, yes, but it's still not, good, not a good shot. He was fouled. They did not call it, but it's not a good shot. And then last night, he commits a turnover to start the final minute. And thankfully, they don't go down and score. Then he comes back down. Out of a timeout, he's shooting a shot. He's shooting a contested three from, what, six, seven feet behind the three-point line? And it doesn't get there. And maybe it was tipped. I don't know. But regardless, it's not a good shot. He's taking these these possessions too often. And it's not working. Somebody else, you got to get somebody else a look. Your best three-point shooter is Jalen Williams. Should Jalen Williams have shot the basketball when he got the pass last night? Maybe. But you got to give, you got to empower Jalen Williams to do that. You got to tell him, hey, this play is designed for you to catch and shoot. Because I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to step up on his own and take that shot. And right now, when you look at Auburn on the court in the final minute, the only guy that I think, the only two guys who I think have that mentality are Wendell Green and Katie Johnson. Those are probably two of the guys you don't want to take a final shot. Unless, unless Katie Johnson is going to the rim. I am 100% fine with that. I will credit Wendell Green because on Saturday, he shot 10 shots from the field. He goes 2 of 10. And he goes 2 of 9 from 3. So he was not efficient from 3. In this game, he only shot 5 threes. But we're seeing him take these last possession, last gasp, hero time kind of moment shots from three, and he's just not a good three-point shooter. It's It doesn't work. It has not worked. We have not seen him. I know he hit the three to cut it to three against Tennessee on Saturday. So it was a six-point game when he shot that. That's the only three in my research of his career here at Auburn in the final minute, in a big spot, he is hit. And he has taken several of them. It's not a, an efficient shot right now. It's really, really bad. But, um, yeah, we are going to, in a second here, we're going to go to a break. But uh, we're going to have somebody on the phone line. We're going to get them uh, on the other side of the break. Uh, we're going to hit our first break here of hour number two on On the Line. And we will get to that on the other side. Are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502. Welcome back to the Auburn Sports Network to the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the Auburn Network, actually. I formerly worked at the Auburn Sports Network, but uh, 
the the to the Tuesday or Wednesday edition of On the Line. Rather, we're gonna head to the phone lines. We've got uh, my good buddy and uh, research buddy last night as we did some research on Wendell Green. Jack Hudden is on the line. Jack, welcome into the show. How are you, buddy? Hey, man, good to talk to you. Yeah, we sure did do. We went through a couple of old statistics last night, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, we 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 basically basically kind of looked at clutch time moments, kind of hero moments for Auburn, um, and how often last year you saw a lot of Jabari Smith taking those shots, and he made a ton of them. Uh, but you also have seen a lot of Wendell Green, and we were just talking about that last segment. It has not been a uh, an efficient or a clutch history for Wendell Green, but yet he still has the ball in his hands entirely too often, in my mind, in late-game scenarios. And I think the other team knows that he's going to take the looks. Yeah, I definitely think that that's something that Auburn has kind of shown themselves to be. Um, look, I think Wendell is a good scorer in his own right at some point. I mean, you saw it last night against A&M when, you know, for a stretch there, he was the hottest player on the floor. Um Mm-hmm. But in late-game scenarios, you've just seen time and time again over the course of the last two years that when it comes down to hitting the last big shot, I think you know going through our research, we came up with about seven or eight times where Wendell Green had the ball late and did something that kind of sealed Auburn's fate, whether that was make the go-ahead bucket or turn the ball over or miss the shot. And I think we found that he was – one of seven or eight, whatever it was, in those situations. And the one time probably should have been called a charge last year against Georgia. Yeah. Um, so, I, I look, I, I think that Wendell, I think he is a above-average point guard for you um, when it comes to net, in terms of, you know, net value. Um, but I think, and I think last night he kind of kept you in it for a while. But he did. He 100% spread. did. I mean, he hit some yeah. very, very difficult shots. Some of it was pretty creative. Uh-huh creating some angles with his pivot foot and getting some looks through traffic. Um, But, I mean, you still have this glaring, glaring issue when you get to the final minute of games. Yeah. I think something that Auburn fans remember from last year is the game against Arkansas when Auburn has it for the past or for the last 20 seconds and you have it in in the – at the end of regulation – and you have Jabari Smith on the floor, and what you get instead is a Wendell Green dribbling around for 15 seconds and then putting up a shot from 35, 40 feet out that is never a good look. I mean, I don't care if you're if you're Wendell Green or Stephen Curry. I mean, that's, that's not a good look for just about anybody. So, you know, I think that in that case, of course, you want to go to your go-to guy on Jabari. The issue with this year's team, I think we've heard it from a lot of different sources, and you and I have said it, is, Auburn doesn't really have that go-to guy in late situations. And so what? how much of this is Wendell Green trying to take it upon himself to be the go-to guy? Yeah, um, I think we've seen more of it this year, and I just don't know if it worked um, Agreed. for him. Agreed. I mean, I when I look at when I look at this roster, I want it to be, I really want it to be Jalen Williams because if you're going to design a play for a three-point shot. Your best three-point shooter is Jalen Williams. Or if you want to do it for Alan Flanagan, give him the opportunity to shoot a three or drive and go to the uh, to the hole. 
I'm fine with that because I feel like he gives you at least a threat of both of those things. But right now, Wendell Green, he's not a three-point threat. He's not. He's He was one of five last night. He's shooting below 28% from three on the year. He's not a good three-point shooter. And yet we see him in these type of scenarios. He's 28.2 on the year. Um, he still settles for that shot entirely too often in my mind. At that point in the game last night, I think Auburn was down two. You know, you don't need a three in that scenario. I mean, I know that Auburn is looking to try and – I know he's trying to land the, I guess, knockout blow, if you will, even though it wasn't even that. Um, But, you know, I mean, Auburn had been finding success up to that point in the game, driving to the bucket. You saw Wendell, you know, run off a span of six points there where it was all him driving and making layups or or getting shots to fall. Um, Or, you know, I think he hit – Janai broom down low a couple times um, in the middle of that stretch, and you know Auburn's able to get an easy lay-in out of it. So I think that that's where this Tiger team should be going, and I, and I thought that for most of the season. You know, we we've talked about it about high post and about Auburn getting good looks from two rather than three because they're not really a three shooting team. No, they're um, not. So I, yeah. <laughs> so uh, look, I, I think that this. I, I still think this Auburn team, and I know we got a couple around who. Are, are still doubting this. I still think this Auburn team uh, is a, is a tournament team. Agreed. I think if you get, if you get these three wins coming up against teams like Missouri, um, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss, you still got games against those teams. That gets you to twenty wins, and then it's about trying to find that resume builder. And you've got four chances to do that in two against Alabama, one in Lexington, and then one at home on your own floor against Tennessee. Plus, you got an SEC tournament yep. to go through. So um, I think the numbers pan out in Auburn's favor to get to a tournament by the end of the year. And I think that's a good goal for for this team um, because I don't think that this is as talented of a roster. Uh, well, it's, it's not. I don't, it's not. I don't think it's as talented of a roster as in the past. I do think it's still a tournament-caliber team. Agreed. I think they've gotten some unlucky breaks. Um, you know, obviously – a lot of Auburn fans are upset with the officiating the last couple of games. And while it's never – I don't think it's ever right to fully blame something on the officials. You know, that's, that's something that's reared its head the last couple of games. And, you know, a call here or there, and Auburn wins those two games. So, they're right there. They're on the cusp. Um, I think being at home is going to help them. Uh, I think the A&M game earlier this year in Neville was kind of an anomaly. And I think that Auburn's going to do well in Neville. Um, I could see – them getting one of these big wins over maybe an Alabama or a Tennessee inside their home gym. Jack, something I do want to bring up when you talk about the refing of this game. So free throw rate is the ratio of free throw attempts to uh, field goal attempts for a game. In this game last night, you saw A&M have a free throw rate of 72.2%. As far as that, like the worst team defense – at that stat in the country this year is St. Peter's at 54.2%. So it's 18% higher. I think it's the worst that we've seen at Auburn in eight years in a game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Something, like you can't tell me in a game like that that was as physical as it was, the free throw difference should be 39 to 14. I think anybody that watched it was able to see that. Um, you know, especially in the first half. I mean, A&M got out to, 
I think A&M was in the double bonus in the first half before Auburn was even in the bonus. Um, and then I think the second half was, I believe it was the same way, actually. I think he had eight fouls to three at one point in that, in that first half. Eventually it got to 10, to 10 to five, I think. And then in the second half, you turn around and it hits the same number again. I think you get to nine and four and then 10 and five, um, not too long after. So, you know, there, there did seem to be, there did seem to be a little anomaly there with the foul calls. Of course, you look at um, free throws attempted. I mean, what was it? I think Texas A&M shoots 39 total Auburn with 14. And while Auburn, you know, did not make their free throws um, when they were at the line, Texas A&M did when they got there, but they sure did get a lot of them last night. I mean, you, you look at that kind of scoring and there's your difference in the ball game right there is not just free throws made, but free throws attempted. I yep. mean, you shoot the same percentage, that puts Auburn on top if you have yeah. the same amount of free throws. Yeah, no, I think free throws were definitely a giant factor in this game, but it's a disappointing loss for Auburn on the road at A&M. But, uh, Jack, before we get out of here, I'm going to let you quickly plug what all you have going on. Thanks, brother. Yeah, we got Auburn High School basketball coming up on WZ 96.3 um, on Thursday night. Then you'll have the women's game Friday night Central. In the event of a win for the men on Thursday night, you'll get the area championship on Saturday. All that on 96.3 WLE. I'll have to call on those at 530 for this day. Appreciate it, Jack. Coming up here in a second, we've got Trey Wallace on the phone. We will see you on the other side. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of On the Line here in hour number two. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio. Jacob Goins is uh, on the road to Montgomery setting up for uh, Lee Scott basketball tonight as they take on Clark Prep uh, in the Final Four. The girls team does. But like we do uh, typically once a week, we uh, have Trey Wallace of OutKick on the line on line one. Trey Welcome into the show. I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. Trey, uh, well, well, welcome in. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for thanks for having me. So, so y'all are getting. So, are we getting close to like the the the, the Alabama State basketball tournament held at Legacy Arena in Birmingham? Are we getting close to that? So, Lee Scott is uh, independent school ball here in the state of Alabama. They wrap up this week, but the rest of okay. the state is is. In that process, I think they are in the middle of playoffs right now. Uh, as as we we also have Jack Hudden, who does is the voice of Auburn High boys and girls basketball. He's he's having some playoff games this week as well. But we are getting close to uh, that time, which is always a lot of fun. Okay. to see those games take I've, place. I've, I've been to a lot of them uh, in, in Birmingham. The uh, the end of the season state tournament i'm a davidson high school graduate in mobile so uh no i I, i've got some memories some very very fun memories of uh high school basketball in the state of alabama it's good to join you today buddy absolutely it's good to hear from you as well uh trey let's jump into it because here over the past few days i think um auburn fans aren't in love with basketball officials right now as it was a very lopsided uh free throw total last night in the loss against A&M. We obviously know what happened on Saturday at the very end of the game against Tennessee. What do you make of these last two games for Auburn? And is the outrage justified at all for Auburn fans? 
I, you know, the the Tennessee game was so sloppy when it came That's to fair. shooting. There's some very bad shots uh, from both teams. By the way, I mean, I, I thought I thought Auburn was going to win that game because Tennessee they couldn't hit a shot. And then you look at Auburn's stats, and you know they're terrible from three point range and even from the field. You know, I, I think a lot of that, like like the Tennessee game at the end of it, like I thought it was a foul, um, but. I'm not having to make that call with 0.1 seconds left on the clock, you know, and, and it's just different, man. Sometimes you'll get that call, uh, and it's, it's, it doesn't happen every day in college basketball. You would get that call at the end of the game. Um, but I do think that, that he was fouled. I think he probably mm-hmm. should have had a chance to go to the line there. But I think, you know, last night, you know, here, here's one thing that, that stands. A&M is a good basketball team. You know, like that, that's a, that's a pretty darn decent squad. And I think going into to college station last night, the way that Auburn's been playing, I think they just got bit again. And, and I think that, you know, when you, when you're not getting it from, from two parts here, when you're not getting it from the outside, but you're also not getting it from the inside. And I mean that down in the post and, and being able to, you know, to get up to the rim, back down to your opponent, um, I, I look. I, I think I think Wendell Green is a hell of a basketball player, but in my opinion, there are some shots that he doesn't need to take. That's fair. The game. Um, I, I think that you know, with with Bruce Pearl, and I'm not just singling out Wendell because I, I love Wendell, but you look at Bruce Pearl and the way that he runs that team, and the way that he runs that defense, and how they are on the floor, on the court, going up and down, 40 minutes nonstop. You know. You have to find those ways to to get those foul calls. Um, they're not going to go your way. I don't think you know two games in a row. You know it, it's hard for me. To, you know, it, look, SEC officiating is bad. And okay, <laughs> if you've got Pat Adams on the call, uh, if you got Doug Shouse on the call, like it's just bad. Okay, mm-hmm. but I don't think two games in a row you can really just blame it all on officiating and not getting in the foul line. I think you have to look at. The shot selection that you're taking, what you're running on defense, why was why were the Aggies last night being able to to get up and down the court like they were and find their mid range shots? So you know, I, I watched that game from start to finish, and and I feel like just Texas A&M's a good squad. Like it, it reminded me of Texas A&M and how they're kind of playing a little bit lately. It's kind of how it reminded me of in the SEC tournament last year, mm-hmm. how they went on a run and played Tennessee in the finals. So. You know, I, I I just think Auburn needs to get back on track, and they got a tough opponent to get back on track with on Saturday. Um, but I, I think the atmosphere surrounding this game uh, could probably be some of the best in college basketball. Yeah, Trey. When I look at this Auburn team this year compared to last year, last year you had the top three pick in Jabari Smith, who could get a shot off versus anybody, and was such a good shooter from anywhere on the floor. In late-game right. scenarios, I felt like you always had a go-to guy that you could go to. And you saw Jabari in some games where Auburn was basically out of it. He hit some crazy shots to pull Auburn even close with a chance last season. This year, I don't know about you, I don't feel like Auburn's got a go-to guy. And so I feel like Wendell Green feels like that falls on his shoulders a little too often. And it has not worked out very often. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Right. Oh, I don't disagree, and I think that puts Wendell into a spot where he thinks he has to take the shot. He has to, he has mm-hmm. to take every single shot that he finds an open spot in. You don't. 
I mean, there were times last night down in the post where I, where I saw it, you know, open and, and able to get to the basket, and you know, the passes weren't there, and, and that's not something Bruce wants to do. Bruce Pearl, you know, Bruce Pearl would like you to pass the ball five times before you get to the basket or take a shot. You know, that, that's just how he is. It goes back to his Tennessee days and it goes back to Southern Illinois days. Like, it, that's just who he is. I, I think overall with Auburn, you know, they they they've hit a point where you're trying to identify what this team is and who this team is. And I think that, you know, you're going to get another measuring stick on Saturday against the Tide because I look at this squad and I think, okay, they can be good getting up and down the court. They can mm-hmm. be good in, in, in their, in their half-court offense. But what stands out to me, though, is, is, is the shot selection, man. If you look at the stat, I mean, just go back and look at the stats against Tennessee. It's dreadful. <laughs> then you go back and look at it last night where, you know, I know Bruce was wanting some calls last night and he was upset after the game and he got into it with a fan after the game and whatnot, you know, but Auburn's just got to find better peace of mind when it comes to selection and what's the right shot. And, and especially if they're playing good defense, I mean, they played excellent defense against Tennessee, but then Tennessee finds a way to, to win it down there at the end. And you know, we can complain about the foul call if there should have been, would have been or not, but, I just feel like Auburn's got some work to do. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And you talked about that game coming up this weekend. Auburn hosts game day for the Auburn-Alabama game uh, on Saturday. How much of a chance do you feel like Auburn has in that? Coming back home, going to be a very raucous environment. It's just going to be a little extra fuel on the fire there with game day being in town. How do you see that game kind of playing out this weekend? You know, I want to make sure Alabama gets out of tonight healthy against mm-hmm. Florida, which is Florida is a Florida is a gritty basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, look how they played Kentucky this past weekend. I, I think that's going to be a little bit closer, maybe than the uh, experts think at nine and a half. Um, but but looking at this weekend, like you know, Alabama has so many players that are able to get to the basket. First off, um, I mean, look at Brandon Miller. The kid plays out of his mind as a four. He's averaging 18 points a game right now. Uh, he's shooting 45% from the field. Um, how, how, do, how do you stop that? You know, if you, if you shut down, you know, if you shut down Brandon Miller, okay, then what are you doing when it comes to Noah Clowney down to the post? So it, I, I feel like, you know, and we're not even talking about Javon Quinterly at the top of the key. This is going to be a fun matchup, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Because you look at the the rosters of both squads, and I feel like you're kind of getting the same kind of feel, I, I, I the same kind of look. I do think Alabama right now um, they, they've got a little bit more talent, and I think the talent mm-hmm. is working together. That is what make that's what's making Alabama so good at the moment. Yeah, is because how this team is playing together. So you know they're not just running it through Brandon Miller. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they got options, so I I look forward to the game on Saturday. I think it's fun. I think you know the pop and circumstance of the game maybe is a little different because Auburn's riding a two game losing streak or whatnot. Um, but I, but I do think that you know you factor in the arena on Saturday, factor in the craziness of the crowd, um, Bruce Pearl and, and the defense that he's going to run. Um, I I think you know come Saturday afternoon at two o'clock Eastern time, one o'clock Central. I think it's going to be a barn burner, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Well, Trey, I, I do want to ask about one more basketball team in the SEC yeah. before we move on to 
some football news, but Arkansas goes on the road last night into Rupp, Ooh. and they get a 15-point victory. And then I just saw on Twitter, Eric Musselman said that Nick Smith Jr.'s back in practice. Does this change the outlook for this Arkansas team that, honestly, about two, two three weeks ago, I was questioning whether they were going to make the tournament. Uh, this is like the Undertaker GIF that you can <laughs> see on Twitter. Uh, this is this is Arkansas. Five SEC wins in a row. Anthony Black played out of his mind last night. Um, they they go to Rupp. Ricky Council Jr., I mean, I'm sorry, the fourth, has 20 points last night. They put Kentucky out of their game from, in my opinion, once they started that second half, Kentucky was out of it. Arkansas was playing on a different level. Now you want to tell me you're getting a stud back mm-hmm. and adding to this roster? I mean, we're, we're, I, I, I'm telling you, we're not even getting into the, the Mitchell twins yet, the Mitchell brothers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at what Arkansas has. This is a top-tier basketball team. Now, the losses don't help. Their record, you know, doesn't particularly help. But <laughs> you look at the way this squad plays and what they did last night, man, if, if Eric Musselman can get that out of his team every single game, Arkansas is going to go on a run here. And Abs- they're going to go on a run. That they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They're going to cause problems in Nashville at the SEC tournament. I'm just saying, Musselman does this. Like, all of a sudden, you might think his team is dead. They're not playing good for a couple weeks. And then, bam, out of nowhere, they start racking off some wins. And uh, we'll see what they do come towards the end of February. But, but mm-hmm. this team's looking good right now with some promise for the future. Absolutely. And uh, switching gears to football, I guess two hires that have been made since we've had you on the show last. Alabama has hired two coordinators, Tommy Reese on the offensive side, and then somebody that Auburn fans are very familiar with in Kevin Steele, who's making his third, uh, I guess, return, or his second return, third tenure at Alabama. What do you make of those two coordinator hires, and what does this mean for Alabama going forward? You know, I think, we'll start with the offensive side. I think Tommy Reese, you know, that's a spot where Alabama, Nick Saban knows what type of offense he wants to be ran. Okay, Tommy Reese is going to come in there and throw a few wrinkles in it. Um, but you're going to get what he wants, what Saban wants. And, you know, you, I think you're going to get more running the football. Um, I think the quarterback situation lines up for a lot more like play action type of uh, offense next year. You don't have, you know, a Bryce or a Tua or even like a Jalen type player right now, in my opinion, on that roster. Now that, that could, you know, articulate after spring practice and you might find that guy, whether that be Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson. Um, but I, but I think overall, you know, offensive wise, it's okay. It's an okay hire. Like I, it wasn't some splash to me or anything like that. I, you know, I don't, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury was ready to get off his sailboat in Thailand, uh, or wherever he's at to come back and coach. And I think you look at it right now. I, I, I think, you know, Nick Saban, he was turned down the first time, uh, by Ryan Grubb at Washington went out second time. Wasn't going to get turned down again. He knew what he wanted and went out and got it. Um, Kevin Steele, I I think this is a bridge hire. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, this is a two-year bridge hire to potentially have Jeremy Pruitt on the staff for two years. Uh, oh. Kevin Steele, look, I, I can't look at his numbers from last year in Miami and try to come up with some conclusion because you're playing with a Miami defense that their their, their roster was just rated. It was horrible. Um, 
go back and look what he did at Auburn and put, put together some pretty darn good defenses. I, I feel like this is a hire from Nick because of how good him and Kevin Steele work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to run the defense, and Nick Saban wants to be ran. Um, uh, they're going to call the same. You don't have to change anything up. You don't have to change any of the calls up. Kevin Steele's going to come in. He's already going to know the playbook and what what's going to be ran. Like this was like an easy hire for him. He didn't go out there, you know, and, and hire some hot commodity. He went out and hired Kevin Steele, who'd been in Miami for a year. You know, and, and I think he did that, Jacob, just because. Uh, or Carter, just because it gives them the opportunity to run what they need to do on defense and maybe get back to, to some of the basics that they maybe lost under Pete Golding. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think it, it'll end up being a good hire in the long run. I, I find that one very interesting. Uh, I'm I just interested. don't think he's going to be there very long. Yeah. I, I, that's the thing to me. I, I think this is like a two-year thing and he's out type of deal. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't see him being there. I, I, he's not the long term DC that's going to ride off in the sunset with Nick Saban whenever he retires. That, that's not it. I I honestly think that's going to be Jeremy Pruitt down the road. Agreed. Agreed. Well, uh, Trey, Super Bowls this Sunday. Uh, Eagles, Chiefs. Eagles are a one and a half point favorite out there in Arizona. What's your uh, prediction for that one? Oh my goodness, this is um, it's just tough. I, I I love the um I love the story of Jalen Hurts. I do. Mm. What that kid that young man's gone through, uh and, and accomplished over his career. Um I, I, I would love to see him finish that story and and just this chapter of his story, uh, with the Super Bowl. I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes is deadly. We all know that. You know, if the Eagles get after Patrick Mahomes, put him on the ground a couple times, how's that ankle react? Um, but to me, there's something about the Eagles, man. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but it makes me want to pick them on Sunday, and that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm taking the Eagles to win it. Jalen Hurts is going to host, host the uh, Lombardi Trophy Sunday night. There you go. You heard it here first. Trey Wallace has the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Well, Trey, appreciate you uh, joining us here. Where can everybody keep up with you and everything you have going on? Oh, absolutely, and thanks for having me today. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Follow all my work at outkick.com. I appreciate you having me. I hope y'all have a great rest of the week and uh, look forward to doing it again next week. Appreciate it, Trey. We will see you next week. That was Trey Wallace of Outkick. We're going to hit our final break here of the Wednesday edition of On the Line. On the other side, we're going to wrap up the show, kind of put a nice bow on everything. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back to the final segment of the Wednesday edition of On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird, uh, my co-host Jacob Goins is on the road to Montgomery uh, for some Lee Scott girls basketball as they take on Clark Prep here in a little bit on AU 100. I think a win puts them in the state championship game on Friday. The boys are in action tomorrow night uh, against Glenwood, and that'll be another great opportunity for uh, maybe maybe Jacob Goins in his first full year of the voice of Lee Scott Athletics might win two state championships in football, uh, and I guess three if he can win them in both 
basketball, uh, boys and girls, and football. It'd be definitely exciting. Um, I kind of want to wrap up this Auburn Texas A&M game um, in the final segment here. Auburn with the 83-78 loss. Have now lost four out of their last five. Alabama coming to town on Saturday. Certainly a lot of challenges here. But I tell you what, I feel like this team in this stretch knows it has what it takes to win these games. I think it knows it can can compete with these teams. Um, A&M game the first time around maybe was not the best was not indicative of that, but to go on the road to West Virginia, lose by three, and you had a chance there to tie it late. Uh, to beat Georgia the way that you did, you did by 21 at home, a full-strength Georgia team that ended up getting um, banged up for this past Saturday when Terry Roberts missed that game. Then you go on the road to Tennessee, and or well, I guess for yesterday when Georgia played Ole Miss. Uh, on the road at Tennessee, the number two team in the country at the time, number six team, I think, in the poll right now. You hang with them. You lose the game by three. You have a chance to tie it late. You know that you did not play your A game in that game, and you still had a chance to force overtime. Then last night, I think you were the better team on the court. I really do. And I thought that the foul uh, discrepancy was was rather large. Uh, I thought the whistle went one way. And you end up losing that game. But if Auburn can spin that into, look at what we've done here over the last four games. We are capable, when we play our best, we can beat anybody. Even when we don't play our best, we know we're in games. So if this team can further come together, play efficient basketball, if they can continue to get a high level of play out of Wendell Green, Jani Broom, Jalen Williams... Alan Flanagan, I think this team is going to be all right. Can they get more production out of the bench? Can they get more production out of Zepp Jasper, who was a little better last night? But when you look forward, what can you get out of Trey Donaldson? What can you get out of Chris Moore? Can Chris Moore go back to being the guy who is a critical rotation piece and a starter at the beginning of this year? Because at times this season, Chris Moore has been the second best player on the court for Auburn. And really, I mean, the shoulder injury was a big setback. Can you get him back to what he was? If Auburn can do that, I think that they're capable of winning plenty of games to make the NCAA tournament, and I think they're capable of winning tomorrow. That's going to do it for today's episode of On the Line. We will see you back tomorrow. Jacob will be back for the first hour, I believe, and then he might be gone after that. But uh, we're going to let you go and uh, hang out with the guys on the drive. See you next time.